0: Our sponsor for today's episode of The Diojo Podcast is The Diojo. (laughs) They are the ones uh, financing this thing after all. So if you go to the website, thediojo.com, that's T-H-E, in case you didn't know how to spell the. And Diojo is a little tougher, D-Y-O-J-O.com. You can go over to the services tab and slide on down in that menu to freelance writing and you'll see DOJO offers freelance writing for things such as freelance articles, ghostwriting services, blog and webpage content, converting videos and presentations into copy, remote estimating to help boost your capacity, book reviews, and a host of other creative services. There's even samples of written content as well as feedback from customers, such as high-quality, reliable freelance writer, great to work with, quick revisions. <laughs> if that's not a five-star review, what is? <laughs> no, really, what is? Anyways, check on diojo.com, look at freelance services in the service menu, and hit us up if uh, you want to collaborate on a project. Why write for yourself when you can pay someone else to do it? <laughs> <Am I right? laughs> rally round <laughs> your family <laughs> with a pocket full of the Joe <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> yeah, you rally round your family <laughs> 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 with a pocket full of
1: the Dodo Podcast.
0: <laughs> so that was terrible, but you're welcome. <laughs> um, so. This week on the podcast, it's been fun. I get to introduce you to people a lot of times i am learned something new from, and um, this week's guest is no different, but this guest is also someone I have a lot of history with. Um, I'm trying to remember, let's see, I got into the industry in 2002, so I can't remember if that was Xactimate 18 or Xactimate 22. I want to say it's probably 22, but... Um, we were doing mold remediation in the era of mold is gold, and um, in Southern California. And so, Denis um, taught me, you know, that uh, structure is important. You know, I learned a lot of my estimating from just kind of copying and pasting and looking at how he structured his estimates. And um, like uh, William Mendoza talked about from Rockland Restoration, reading the line item descriptions and trying to figure things out. And as mold was evolving, you know, that was a a new field so figuring out which line items you can adapt to try to communicate what you were trying to do and then using your f9 notes and so um some of you may know back in 2018 um i wrote an article at uh, restoration and remediation magazine called the ten commandments of exactimate estimating success so um you know if you need um, words from on high to uh, get you motivated for exactmate. Um, stuff, simple stuff. I, you know, I don't proclaim to be the best at Xactimate by any means, but I have always um, tried to follow like simple structure. I think it's important. I believe very much, you know, kind of the core things that I've always tried to teach people is do it right, learn how to do it right, learn how to master the basics, then learn how to do it efficiently. Too often we tell people to do it faster. You, know, you need to do this faster. And they just kind of freak out and rush and it usually leads to sloppiness. But if you can communicate, let's do it more efficiently. How do we do this more efficiently rather than faster? Um, you know, we can increase our productivity. We can increase our profitability. And then figuring out how to do something excellently. How do you put the flare on it? How do you make people say, dang, you know, that, that looks uh, phenomenal. And so with estimating, I think, you know, learning how to write it correctly um, and then efficiently is, you know, sometimes a cut and paste. Some people like to use macros. Everybody kind of has their strategy. But then then excellently, I think is, um, and I think th- that if Efficiency and excellency ties together. I like to use, you know, subheadings and lots of F9 notes, um, and it's amazing how people don't read your F9 notes. Then you bold them, you know, and then you have an opening narrative and all those kinds of things. So we talk about that in the Ten Commandments of Exactmate Estimating Success, which are also turned into an ebook. So um, that's available on the Dojo website. Um, but the longer. Um, the longer I'm around people in a position of leadership, I call those the P.I.P.O.L.s. Um, emphasis on people in a position of leadership. I'm so very thankful for early influences like our guest today, Denise. Um, that as a manager, I believe you know, in the last dance, I think Michael Jordan said um, one of the greatest gifts a coach can give to a great player is to coach them and coach them hard. And I think in my mind, one of the greatest gifts a manager or a leader can give, you know, aspiring um, up and coming growth minded employees is to have confidence in themselves. A confident leader knows what their strengths are and knows what their weaknesses are. And maybe we're not always the best out about identifying and knowing our weaknesses, but knowing the things that our energy drains. Because something that you do that on the daily is kind of an energy drain for you or you're not as efficient at um, or don't have as much passion for but needs to be done, those can be great opportunities to bring people onto your team that maybe love to do those kinds of things. And so, you know, when you're confident in your identity and your purpose, then it creates in you an ability to empower and enable other people to fill in those other voids. So, um, you know... um, also contributed to the article on leadership motivation from leaders who lead in the episode 12, which is also the article for um, the intentional restorer there with restoration and remediation magazine. So to me it's always been very interesting to hear people's process, you know, how they got where they are. Um, too often it's like, you know, when you're reading business book it skips from, you know, I was poor and destitute to I was successful. And it's like, well what's all the stuff in the middle? So um, we tried to dive into some of that with Denis, um, and uh, I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. And even if you didn't, I enjoyed it. So <laughs> so there you go. That's what it's all about. Okay, I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? I think I'm you're ready. ready. All right, well, we're here with Denis. I'm going to mess this up. Bowyer. Beau Bowyer. Bow-yer.
1: Oh yes, very well. That's a, uh,
0: an American, right? <laughs> pronouncing <laughs> a French Canadian last name, right? That's correct. I apologize. Um, hopefully, we haven't set our two countries back um, years. <laughs> um, and you're uh, now currently with Alliance Environmental. Um, so, uh, let's see. What year did we? It was two thousand one, right? At, yes.
1: 2001.
0: Mm-hmm. 2001 service master in ventura california um and i was trying to i was talking to somebody about that that was back in like i don't know the good days of the franchising because the lawson's owned it we were in ventura but we had like to the la border all the way up to like uh past santa barbara right was our territory
1: yeah but for the most part they tried to keep it within uh you know you didn't want to really go any further than westlake or yep. westlake uh, just because of the uh, travel time, and, oh yeah, you know, especially if you're doing water damage, uh, going there every day to do inspections or, or you know, checking for moisture and stuff just didn't make any sense. So yeah, for the most part, for the most part, it was Santa Barbara to Westlake, and then we also did Santa Paula and Fillmore in that area. Oh hi, yeah. Well. I'd-
0: for those that aren't familiar with Ventura County, Ventura's down kind of on the plane and you go up into Thousand Oaks and, um, what's up there, Simi Valley and everything. And then down back into LA and, um, beautiful, beautiful area. But is it, isn't it now it's like nine different service masters, right? It's, it's, yeah. So, you know, there was a time and I talked to some of the franchise guys, not trying to bag on service master, but you know, there's, it's pretty hard to get, uh, a big territory they want to divide up the zip codes so so okay from what i remember when we were at service master and we'll go forward backwards so i applied um i was working i had been working in a a closet organizer deal running the warehouse when kelsey got pregnant i came to ventura and got the worst job i've ever had um, with just terrible people and so I was applying to anything and everything. And there was a lull, like 2000, there's kind of a lull in the market, uh, at least in California. And so I was applying to anything and everything. And there was an ad for carpet cleaning at this place called service master. And it wasn't even like, yeah, that's what I want to do is just blah, 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 blah. I got to get a job. <clears throat> and I think I interviewed, I interviewed with Edgar. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Tallest man, probably I've interviewed with uh, shortest shorts. I think he <laughs> 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 and uh, he liked to wear those uh, classic tennis shorts. And um, yeah. so anyways, I was going to school for criminal justice. And I remember he said, with your background in science, you'd be really good in our mold remediation division that we're starting. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I
2: would. <laughs> Do you have any experience? No, sir, I have no experience, but I'm a big fan of money. I like it. I use it. I have a little. I keep it in a jar on top of my refrigerator. I'd like to put more in that jar.
0: (laughs) And then I think I interviewed with you, and then I get in there. It's completely new to me, but come to find out, I think you had only been there maybe six months or a year, right? Yeah,
1: probably not not more than that, yeah.
0: So um, before we go into that, What had been your experience prior to getting into property restoration and mold remediation, I guess, in specific?
1: Well, uh, back in Canada, before I moved to the United States, um, I had, um, like you, I was uh, sort of out of work and and needing a a job and uh, got got married and still needed a job and needed a place to live. (laughs) And uh, so... (laughs) So, I opened up the, uh, the newspaper and there was a job uh, uh, available for a carpet and upholstery cleaning uh, technician.
0: Okay.
1: So, um, I you I, guys have carpet I, in Canada? A lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, a lot more than they do here, actually. Yeah. Uh, big more for the warmth. But, um, yeah, so I became a carpet and upholstery cleaning technician there for uh, about a year, year and a half. And then the company.
0: And- Mom and Pop Shop
1: or? No, actually, they were uh, they were a pretty big company. They um, they were out of uh, they were out of New Jersey. Okay. And, um, we uh, we in Canada have a uh, uh, a store similar to like a Macy's or a Kaufman's here, called the Bay, uh, the Hudson's Bay Company. And what this company actually did was had a they had a license department of the Hudson's Bay Company to basically advertise their name. And uh, we would go out and do carpet and upholstery cleaning huh. under their name. So we, uh, we paid them a handsome price to use their name to do carpet and upholstery cleaning. So, and that was throughout Canada. Um, and then in the United States, they actually had Sears and Coffins and all those stores.
0: So Canada's laid out differently than America, right, as far as, like, provinces, right? So right. Where, where were you at? You're, you're central, right? Just, if I remember right, kind of above Michigan?
1: Uh, sort of above New York, I would think more. Oh, dang.
0: So you're all the way.
1: Yeah. East. Yeah. Yeah. So if you think of Lake Ontario, um, we were on the Northern Eastern side of Lake Ontario.
0: Okay. Nice.
1: Yeah. And, uh, cleaning
0: for Hudson's Bay.
1: Hudson's Bay company. Yeah. And then from there, after about a year, the company sold and, um, the, uh, I ended up um, taking over the position for the, the manager in the actual office I was working in. Oh. I so, um, <clears throat> went to work one day and you know found out they were sold. And uh, this was during the Christmas, uh, Christmas uh, uh, vacation time. Oh, and the new company gave me a call and said, hey, would you like to become the new manager and open the doors on Monday? And I was <laughs> like, uh, okay, I, I can guess. do that. Yeah. I don't know your computer systems, I don't know anything, so
2: by the end of the week I had to do
1: payroll and all this stuff, so it was quite, uh, quite, quite an interesting week.
0: So did they, they got rid of all the other management staff and no training, no, hey, this is how we do things?
1: No, actually, the, um, the only reason why I ended up getting this particular management position is because the, the manager I was working for did not want to work for the manager, or the new company. Uh, she said I would have a loyalty to the uh, former owners so I'm not sure if she went on to work with them somewhere else in a different capacity but uh, she 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 basically said if there was anybody in the organization in her office that she felt could take on her position uh, the only person she could think of would be me and so she made that recommendation to the new company and uh, that's how I got my in dang that's cool yeah yeah yeah
0: Okay, so so you did carpet cleaning, and then I think I I didn't know about the carpet cleaning, but I knew you had done duct cleaning because um, that was a oh. service we provided at ServiceMaster. So how did that? Where did that transition come?
1: So th- primarily, when they when they started or when I started working for them, uh, they were just basically doing carpet upholstery cleaning, area rugs, and things of that nature. But like any other business, they want to expand. Sure. And, um, so then we got into area rug cleaning. And a few years later, we got into duct cleaning. So, uh, service line. yeah. So we just kept adding services and adding services. And uh, so <laughs> I was a manager for probably five or six years, and then relocated. And when I relocated, I relocated again into a smaller, uh, smaller office, and uh, uh, went on a different pay structure. It was a little complicated. I don't want to get into that, but. I uh, was making better money than I was managing, actually. Huh, and, yeah.
0: uh, as so it was,
1: normally happens, yeah. <laughs> don't make as much money, trust me. Um, so I was managing, but I was also doing uh, cleaning, uh, part-time cleaning, basically. So I ran the office and uh, I made a kicker off of what the guys were doing. And then anything I went out to uh, clean, I also made money off of that. So I learned that cleaning through that, uh, through that uh, part of the business at that time.
0: So. Now, was that did they say, hey, we want to get into duck cleaning, or was it more of you were like, I think this is something we can add, or do you remember how that conversation happened?
1: I think they just said, okay, we're going to start doing duck cleaning. <laughs> Here's the equipment, learn how to do it.
0: Okay, well, that, that was going to be my other question is like, you know, that I mean, because t- to do duck cleaning properly, <laughs> I work for an outfit, their, okay. their version of duck cleaning was a um and more dryer vent cleaning but you take a a lawn leaf blower with a snorkel on it hook it up to the thing and go i go oh okay i've not personally done a lot of duct cleaning but uh, i'm pretty sure that's not it (laughs) so so the company had sought out the line purchased the equipment and said here figure this out
1: basically yeah i mean um we we ran a lot of portable equipment. So yep. for the most part, for the most part, everybody that uh, was even carpet cleaning all had all portable units. So uh, nobody had any truck-mounted uh, equipment or whatnot. So it made it made things a little harder to clean because the equipment was yep. uh But they also had portable duct cleaning equipment.
0: Uh, so then they could add that on as a service. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Huh. So we basically hired some guys and gave them some instruction, and you know, yep. here you go.
0: Yeah, so what was the um, the the impetus for coming to uh, California?
1: Well, as as you may or may not know, I had married an American. Uh, well, that just blew everything. Up. Canadians <laughs> still in our women. Yes, yeah, still. Uh, she came out to Canada, and uh, I had met her. We were married for probably five years. I want to say at the time um and um in this particular location that i was working in uh well actually the company didn't look like it was going to survive very much longer Okay. Uh, things were just uh, the, the way th- uh, the way that the company operated and the way the hudson's bay company wanted us to operate didn't really see eye. so i sort of saw the writing on the wall i knew that i was going to have to make a change um and the house that i was living or the house that i was renting at the time The guy wanted to sell it and um, we couldn't see eye to eye on the price. So I just said to Kirsten, uh, my wife, uh, well, if we're going to move yet again, which would have been probably the fourth or fifth time in our short marriage, I said, let's just move big. I kept promising her that uh, we'd move to California at one point in time. And so we ended up making the big move so then you so so clockwise so yeah okay all right yeah yeah so you twist it clockwise and okay okay, go. Ah, all right, okay you know what put, put it down put it down for a sec my fingers are killing me huh and they're shooting at us all right you know what lift it up tall ways
0: uh before you started working at service master, weren't you working at a golf course yes um yes. and you're uh um so so what did that look like how did you get hooked up with service master then
1: so I, I was working at the golf course, you know, not making a whole lot of money. I, I, was, looking for a, I was looking for a new, uh, different type of job. And I thought, you know, I really like golfing. Maybe I'll look into that uh, business. Yeah. And see if It's something I wanted to get into. And uh, after working there for three or four months, I, I said to myself, well, you know, I'm married and I have a kid and I need to make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this, this wasn't going to do it. So. Yeah. Um, I actually, well, you know, went back to my roots, went back to carpet and clean. Yeah. So uh, one day I just opened up the yellow pages and started looking at uh, carpet cleaning companies in the area. And uh, one of the very first pages I opened up, it said, uh, Service Master by Lawson and Lawson. Yeah. And carpet. And I thought, that's just, you know, that's got to be God speaking to me because my in-laws last name, my wife's baby is Lawson.
0: There you go. (laughs)
1: So <laughs> uh, I actually put in an application there, and um, and uh, the rest is history. Actually, you know, just uh, so you he, you were thinking
0: you would just get a job cleaning carpets and upholstery and make your yeah. money that way. So uh, how did that conversation go then?
1: So I put in the application, and I met with Edgar in his little shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and uh thought they were kind of a, a, an odd couple because it was a husband and wife um, company great people though yeah and um he looked at my application and said that uh you know you are just way overqualified to be a carpet upholstery painting technician and i looked at him and i said well look you know this is my first year in the united states i have no history of yeah. work here. and i had to go back to my roots and figure out you know what am i going to do and And carbon cleaning is what I know, and so I need to start something. And he said, well, you know, this uh, new business of uh, mold remediation is just uh, really starting to take place here. Uh, Maybe you'd like to, or maybe you'd be interested in starting up a a business uh, in in mold remediation. Yeah. And I said, well, that's that's interesting. Tell me more. So uh, we just sat and talked for about an hour and told me a lot about it. And I said, well, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I, I think I could do that for you. And uh, so another week went by and uh, he called me back up and he says, well, you want to do this thing? And I said, sure. And uh, he, he enrolled me in a, in a class for, um, to become a certified mold remediation technician. And I did that class for a week. And uh, um, my very first day of, of work, actually. So I, I did the weeks for the class. And then the Monday, uh, I was on my way to work. It was 9-11. Oh, so 11. So my very first day of of work for for, uh, Terry Negri was listening to the the towers coming down on my way to work that morning. Wow. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I can remember I was working at the closet company and um, was carpooling and um, actually Kelsey, my wife, was um, part of our carpool because my car had like gotten wrecked and uh, and she's like, have you heard what happened? I was like, no. And then, so the same thing. We were driving in and just, wow. Um, wild. Okay. Well, and I, I remember too. So did you, I remember that was once I, if we fast forward a little, when I got to the assistant manager to start learning about like commission and stuff like that. So you had structured your deal. You had a salary and then, um, you not only had a piece of the pie, but you got it off the top, right? I mean, you were paid a percentage yeah. off the gross um, revenue. Yes. How did you, was that, had, was that your prior structure, or was that something you just pulled out of your butt? Or
1: No, actually, he, he, uh, he came up with that structure. And uh, so he, he gave me a, you know, a $20 an hour uh, salary. And I guess he wasn't sure how, how big this was going to grow and then I got a certain commission off the top, and he said, yeah, you know, this will be your salary, and, and whatever you can get, we'll give you, you know, X amount of uh, money to, to do the work, and after the first year, we were doing over a million dollars in mold, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh, so, yeah, I was, uh, I, was doing, I was doing well. Well, what, so what's so funny,
0: uh, a couple of things in that, right, um, like almost nowhere do you get you know, a piece of the front end action, right? It's usually after all the costs are taken out. So, and I remember yeah. later that kind of came a, a, a point of contention, right? Like I'm right, use some big checks and yeah. um, I actually used that when I went to Oregon um, and the uh, same kind of thing. It was like, this is a bigger check that I've ever written myself, you know? <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, we created something out of nothing, you know? So, um, but the, um, the, the, uh, Shoot, I lost my train of thought. So you got the commission structure, incentivize. Oh, yeah. the, uh, the mold is gold. So when I started applying to places in Oregon, they had no concept. Um, and they, later on down the grapevine, one of the guys that worked for me when I was at BELFOR said, I remember when your application came through at a service master in, in Oregon they <laughs> laughed. They're like, this guy was an assistant manager for a mold remediation division. <laughs> Makes me want a horse laugh. You know, people didn't have a concept that that was a thing, that you could have a whole division dedicated to mold. Um, right. And there's some companies now that, you know, kind of specialize in that. But yeah, there was, you know, when I talk to people about numbers we were doing in mold per month, it's just like, you know, they can't even imagine. And then the margins we were pulling. Obviously, industries changed, you know, <laughs> it would be pretty hard to pull those margins now yeah. in, in that volume. But, uh, you know, it, it really was, uh, I, I, I can't say the opportunity was out there and we got pretty darn good at um, making a name for ourselves and pursuing it with the right people, the right partners, you know. So, um, so I guess that was what I want to draw out uh, that I think is interesting about your story is um, in each of your spots, right, you're going to places where you have no prior direct experience but you yes. have relevant experience sure. um, you know and obviously credit to Edgar you know he's seeing you know the potential for this and then um, pretty genius you know structure it to a way where there's enough you know money in there to keep you interested and then enough potential to really motivate you you know and that's a I don't know if there's owners out there the simpler <laughs> your 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 bonus structure is the better right because so many companies I I like to say if people are interviewing somewhere, if they can't explain the bonus structure to you you in 30 seconds, it's complicated and you're never going to get paid, you know, (laughs) or it's going to be much lower than they, they, they advertise. But uh, whereas yours was like pretty straight line. Um, So what do you think that is um, that you can, you know, say like the, the, the multi, like you got thrown into management with the Hudson's Bay, you know, that sounds like maybe that was, for them, they're like, well, you're the guy, and they said you're the guy, so let's do it. Whereas Edgar, you know, kind of threw his stones out there and said, let's do this. Um, yep. What is it about your upbringing or your, your character or how you're wound that you say, you know what, yeah, I think I could do that?
2: Well,
1: you know, you, there's no risk, no reward, right? Yeah. So anytime that I, uh, basically, any job that I've ever applied to, I really never had experience in that particular uh, industry. Yeah. Uh, you know, I worked in warehouses and I had to work on a forklift. they go, well, have you ever driven a forklift? Oh, yeah, I've driven a forklift. never <laughs> driven a forklift before. <laughs> and get on it. I mean, come on, it can't be that complicated, right? Right. <laughs> so, I, you know, my, my, and I think I might have said this to you at one point in time. She, she said to me, you know, what do you got to lose? Yeah. You know, what, what do you have to lose? If you don't have anything, what do you have to lose? So just
0: take the risk
1: and, and uh, you know, you'll obviously learn as you go. Yeah. And, um, you know, fake it till you make it kind of deal. Yeah. So uh I figured, you know, the, the next opportunity would always be possibly a better opportunity. And, and uh, just go in and, you know, put your 110% effort into something and you're going to get, you know, what you put in. So
0: Yeah. Well, in that, um, and you know, I guess I have the benefit of knowing you for several years, so I I don't think you ever go into something like, "Yeah, you know, that's going to be easy." You know, obviously your wheels are spinning. Uh Um, So, when I got there again, like so you said, if your first day was September two thousand, that was two thousand one, right? Two
1: thousand one, yeah.
0: So I must have started two thousand two. Yeah, I think it was April two thousand two. So. When I got there, um, we had, the team had just transitioned from wire brushes and palm sanders with paper sand, right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> to uh, grinders. And I don't remember. It might have been early on. Um, we had such like a ragtag crew, but um, we go into this house and they're grinding. I remember James had um, um, hit like there was like a drain plug or something like that. It caught his grinder and went like – you know, and like cracked his hand or something like that. And, uh, you know, he, but he, um, he like went to the doctor, got it wrapped up back to work the next day. Like, you know, we just had people that wanted to work. And again, we addressed that, you know, that was something we all learned. So we talked about it and said, Hey, this is what we need to do moving forward. You know, watch out for things. But, um, so we were learning as we go, um, you know, what we did the, we did the grinders, which, in my opinion, still was the most effective. It's the quickest, right? Yeah. Uh, and your your containment has to be pretty top notch, you know, to control all of the uh, environmental aspect of that. And then we tried the. I remember we tried steam. Yes. Did we ever try the dry ice? Didn't we? Didn't someone give us a machine to try? Well,
1: I remember, don't. If it was dry ice or soda. I think it was dry mm-hmm. ice. I think it was dry ice i think we tried that but we didn't go in that direction because the uh, the equipment was quite expensive and you had to keep the dry ice on on the uh, yeah. on hand so you had to get you know coolers and oops um uh well my word. you had to keep like a refrigeration system yeah. to keep the ice and whatnot so yeah. it didn't make any sense at that point so we uh just stuck with the i think the grinders were probably the most efficient and quickest yeah uh, we the, the steamers did work but the problem is is that you know <clears throat> a lot of these guys when they're using somebody else's equipment they don't take as good quality quick care of it yeah. and i think that would have been a, a good uh well it was it actually worked really well it's just that it was it, there was a lot of maintenance to do with the, that equipment so well (laughs) another part of it though is
0: is your with the steam i think you still have the wire brush head on it right and then so you only have this big of a space as you're going you know on the really bad spots the other thing with the grinder if you had like um, a seal plate that was um you know trashed you could skim off that quarter inch of not just the mold growth but um you know just that chewed up wood still keep the structural integrity you know and um And that's, you know, I I can only imagine if you're doing like, you know, somebody doing a counterpoint, you know, well, that's so much dust and everything. And we did. We had additional air scrubbers going. We had, you know, the HEPA vacs going and stuff like that. But, I mean, it was pretty rare that we failed an air clearance, you know. Some of the key things that can really set a good remediation project apart.
2: Oh, that's, do you have all day? (laughs) yeah what, what how much time do we have here Make as much time as you want yeah Where
1: well we and here's
2: get? what i i think is most important what i would say to contractors out there so yeah. notwithstanding method do the job right the first yeah. time yep. don't try to cut corners because somebody like me is going to come in someday so typically what should be done is i'm there before the remediation, right. the remediation is done. And then I'm there again to do the post remediation verification before the remediation contractor closes out the job. So that we can make sure that all of the expectations that were in our protocol have been met. That gives the contractor their clearance. Now I'm, I'm basically signing off. That takes some liability away from yeah. them as well. Yep. Yep. The other side of that is when a contractor says, Oh, you don't need, you don't need a a consultant. You know, we do our own testing. We do our own, they're essentially grading their own paper.
0: I mean, we got really damn good at, you know, vacuuming and wiping and wiping and wiping. And, um, and we took a lot of pride. I mean, we had rough, rough people working for us, but those guys took a lot of pride in, you know, passing, passing clearance. I don't remember. We never did like, uh, I don't remember us ever having to do like a hey this is a challenge for whoever can do this or this it was just more I remember we would meet in the mornings everybody would get their assignments and you know we'd talk about where people were at with their jobs and so I think we had a certain amount of positive peer pressure to like you know hey you know Mike's jobs are going quicker and on schedule and your jobs are kind of lagging behind we're like okay let's go get this you know yeah. but uh and it's crazy because I see um People too, you know, just um, we all took a lot of pride in even that old crappy van with the stick shift that we started out with that you bought eventually, right? <laughs> yeah, I ended
1: up in that thing, yeah, I did.
0: <laughs> for, your, for your side business, but, um, you know, it didn't matter which van you had, all our guys took pride in it, you know, and we got super pissed. If someone got in your van and didn't put your plastic back where you put it or your tape and stuff like that, you know, people uh, just had a lot of pride. Um, you know, and um, it was a lot of fun, um, and it's uh, it's one of those things that's been hard to replicate, you know, um, and so, um, but uh, I guess the thing I think it taught me, and we talked a little bit about this offline, was it was always more rewarding to bring somebody in that you know I would say was honest, hardworking, and willing to learn. And teach them our way and our system than it was to try to hire the hotshot from another company, and then and then try to integrate them in the system. I think we were yep. talking about. There's one guy I can remember in particular. Um, he came from one of the big brand names and thought he was pretty tough stuff. And I remember at that time I was in management. Our guys came back and they're like, "This dude can't hang," you know. <laughs> like, yeah. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. we would take. I mean, literally guys that had rap sheets, you know, and, um, but they would kick butt, you know, um, in doing what they did. Yeah. So what do you, how do you, what do you think, um, as far as like hiring people, what do you, where do you think your knack came for that where you could identify this guy's a diamond in the rough? Um, cause I would say, if you put our guys in a lineup, it's not the people that somebody would say, yeah, that's going to be a good employee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My guy right there.
0: <laughs> right there. I want that one. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: You know, I, I, think, I think it's just a sense of, of, of uh, finding that, that piece of that heart uh, that yeah. people have. That, that giving the, you know, there's, there's some people that, that are out there that if you've never given them a true chance, to shine they're always going to be that that diamond in, or they're going to be that diamond in a rough that you're never going to find yeah if you give somebody the opportunity to a take ownership of what they're doing
2: hmm.
1: give them the ability to make their own decisions whether it's a right or wrong decision they'll find out if it's a right or wrong decision yeah and i always gave people the the um the uh, ability to, to, to bring something to the forefront. So yep. if they had an idea, we explored it. You know yep. um, so in in the hiring process, I wanted to find out, you know, what what they're made of. Um, what 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 were their successes, what were their failures, and uh, what they what they felt that they could bring to a table that they've never brought to the table before. Huh. So, so when you're looking when you're when you're looking at somebody, you want to find out what you know what drives them. Yeah, and uh, if you can use that uh, in your business, and um, you know, pick the good things, pick yeah. the good things that are in them. Leave those, leave the, the things that, that you know, uh, for whatever reason they lost their last job. that. Yeah, just focus on the the things that they, they that drive them, and uh, do they want to succeed? Do they want to you know move to that next step? Uh, just like yourself, you you want to come in, but you also want to go into management, You want to learn more. Yeah. So people that want to learn, people that that, that want to do that that uh, to you know to take pride in what they're doing, yeah. whether it whether it's picking trash or you know being the manager. Yeah, you know, are you going to take pride in ownership of your job? Yeah. So, Find those people, and actually, a lot of times they work out better than, than the people that have all these certificates. You know?
2: Yeah.
1: Because so, uh, trust me, after you have left, I did hire a guy who had I think he had like ten or ten or eleven different certificates. Yeah. And he ended up being the worst hire ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, well.
0: well so, but that that that's another thing. Um, and, and credit to the Lawson's, like when people came in, they didn't send them immediately to WRT. I mean, you you're, you were different, right? You were going into management, had no prior uh, experience, so you go to the AMRT class. Actually, back then, I don't. It, they changed it to Applied Microbial Remediation Technician. It used to be the Mold remedi Mold Tech, right?
1: Yeah, Certified Mold Remediation, so CMRT.
0: Yeah, yeah. and so. Well, that that might be a, a different um outlet to the C. uh I think,
1: was, I think that was with the air quality management district the, yeah, uh, ria maybe yeah it was something it wasn't it wasn't through the uh, icrc it was a different, yeah.
0: yeah well I, ria didn't change their name until 2007 so that would have been probably ascr um but um the uh we didn't send people immediately to the wrt and that was exactly you get a new guy you send them to the class and then they think they know everything right it's like a kid that's coming out of college uh with no work experience um whereas you know for the most part our guys would get six months to maybe even a year and then go to the class and understand why they were doing it but um (laughs) i can remember man uh i think the first day um Uh, a guy, Mike, you know, um, who we were talking about, who's now, unfortunately, uh, died really young. Um, but, uh, man, I got razzed pretty good. And so I've never been a tough guy. You know, I've always diffused things with humor and whatnot, but I think probably day one, it was like, you know, Hey, we're going to F you up and we're, you know, we're going to make your life miserable and stuff like that. And, and I remember thinking I was scared, you know, but I remember thinking like, well, let's go behind the dumpster. So at least it's not on camera. (laughs) And I think um, that kind of, um, you know, off the bat, it diffused the situation, you know, um, and, and, and made for a better working environment. And those guys were really good, but it was, it was tough. And I remember later on we hired a guy that went to the church that Kelsey and I went to and they did the same thing to him. And, um, and he was a tough guy. He thought he was a tough guy. And uh, they they helped uh, him, you know, self explore and self realize that he's not as tough as he thought he was. <laughs> but in that, like you said, the um, taking ownership, making decisions, but um, also I think, you know, for me as I was learning management, the biggest thing was, like you said, allowing people to make mistakes. You know, I think I would come with ideas, and he'd be like, "All right, well, let's try it." You know, and then, you know, I don't remember. I don't remember anything failing, but, uh, you know, some things weren't as successful as others, you know. Um, but that was, I think even in business, I was thinking back on, we tried, because we, you know, initially we were wearing the, the even things like the polos, and then we went to t-shirts, and then we went extreme, and we were wearing slacks and, you know, ties. I think we were trying to go heavier after property management and trying to look professional, <laughs> and uh, that didn't last super long you know because it's just uncomfortable but um but yeah that uh i i'm you know and we had definitely our share of people that uh, didn't work out but um what do you think i think as i look back on it i think one of the biggest things that leaders can do to help their teams is have a clear sense of who they are right knowing your strengths and weaknesses and Mm -hmm. not in like a Prideful or cocky way, but just saying, I know I am good at this, this, and this. I also know these are kind of my weak spots or areas, or maybe not even weak spots, areas that I don't necessarily enjoy doing. And that's why I'm creating an opportunity for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, do do you think that's like um, intentional on your part? Or um, because when you had clarity about who you are, what you wanted to do, and where you were going that created openings for other people to say, Hey, I can do this, or I'd like to try this. Um, and those kinds of things. Um, do you think that was something that was exampled for you or something you kind of learned over time or a little bit of both?
1: I think a little bit of both, you know, um, there's not, there's not, I don't think there's any one person on this planet that can say that they know everything or that they are the best right. of everything. And I think, that the, the, I think that if you're a smart manager, you're always going to look for people who are smarter than you because yeah. that's going to make you better. So as a manager, you, know, you always want to hire people that, that are uh, self-driven, yeah. who have good ideas, and uh, that can only complement you as a manager. So the more people that you, that you uh, surround yourself with um, – uh, with group, good ideas, or at least, you know, willing to to try the same things that you're willing to try and get an opportunity. It's it's only going to make you better or make your company better. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm trying to, um, so, um, So you transitioned from, did you go immediately from ServiceMaster to Alliance?
1: Yeah, so yet again, um, and this would have been like the third or fourth time that I worked for a company that sold and got taken over. And um, the people that were uh, acquiring the ServiceMaster were trying to I think because of my compensation program.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coming in as an owner, they'd be like, wait, what?
1: Yeah, this guy's making what?
0: Because <laughs> now it's established, right? So, yeah, yep. Uh,
1: they were trying to uh, play with my, my compensation plan. And uh, I just thought, I, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm used to this, accustomed to making this money. And obviously, you've got bills and that. Yeah. That, um I wasn't going to be able to to survive on what they wanted to pay me uh, at that location anymore. So I, yeah, I, uh, I knew that Alliance was around and they, they were fairly new in, in the, uh, I think they started pretty close to the, around the same time that, um, that, uh, I had started with uh, service master within a year or so. And I knew they were around and I knew that they did mold remediation. And so, uh, I gave, uh, my boss, uh, Don, a, a call. And asked him if he was looking for anybody, uh, you know, at that time, and he said, "Yeah, we have a need." So, put my application in and interviewed with him. And uh, again, I went into first week was uh, in a class for um, asbestos training.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. So, started off with them and took that chance, and turned out to be quite successful at it. So.
0: And so you you went into. Um, um uh project management and estimating, right? Uh estimator yeah. slash and then you run your own projects. Done yep. some pretty fun projects with some pretty uh well known names in uh California, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. And yeah. um
0: and then so now recently you transitioned to is it sales manager? Is that the correct title?
1: Yeah, sales manager, yeah.
0: So that's gotta be fun in this uh current uh climate you know as far as like figuring out how to make things work i don't they just um reopened uh residential construction here in oregon um you know with certain provisions is that the same in california
1: yeah well i mean i think that they they tried to close a lot of things up but people are are still still working yeah they were just trying to fly under the radar because i mean you got people that obviously you know, are counting on their paychecks. And a lot of, yeah. you take, take one week away from them, it's, it could be very devastating. So um, <clears throat> so I think a lot of the people that, that I know anyway, uh, smaller businesses, we're still, we're still uh, running full blast. Um, the bigger companies, because they do a lot of insurance work, they were deemed necessity. A necessity. So um, that part of it really didn't slow down very much.
0: Yeah, that um, we've been fortunate a lot of our works in schools. And so, you know, a lot of those projects are trying to bump up. So um, which now we got to (laughs) backfill. But uh, but yeah, our guys, um, for the most part, same have been just, you know, wanting to work, work safely. We've talked about, you know, what that looks like and um, continue to evolve that. Have you all explored or gotten into any of the COVID um, cleanup stuff?
1: Uh, yes, we have. We did. Uh, we put out a media blast on LinkedIn and yeah. a couple other, uh, a couple other areas. And yeah, we've been, we've been, um, we've been doing some police stations and uh, oh, nice. some schools and uh, some gyms and things like yep. that. Uh, not a whole lot of residential. Yeah. Uh, in that aspect but more, you know, the big places where you're going to have social gatherings or more than 10 people. Yeah. <laughs> those are the places that want to, you know, uh, make their place safe for, for others. So we've been doing uh, not a whole lot of that, but we, yeah. we have been taking opportunities. So, yeah. As we
0: wrap up, do you have any more thoughts or, um, you know, nuggets to drop on on, on the peeps, the thousands <laughs> watching and listening?
1: <laughs> the, uh, you and me.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I, I think I think we'll just go right go right back to the beginning. Um, you know, no risk, no reward. So yeah. A lot of people, if 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 you're thinking about it, you know, life is so short. Yeah. And uh, the older we get, the, the the quicker the hill is down. Yeah. Unfortunately, and so I mean, as a as a child, when I was you know 10 years old, being 30 was like, oh my god, it's so far away. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, And now that I'm in my 50s, I'm going, oh, shoot, 60 is very close. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, you know, uh, going back to to what my mother once said to me, uh, you know, what do you have to lose? Yeah. Um, Because at the time when she said that to me, uh, you know, I I didn't have a job. I was looking at buying a house, actually. Yeah. Job. I was recently married, and I was I was going to buy this house. And she said, "Well, what do you got to lose? You right. don't have, you don't buy right. anything. Yeah, you know, just jump in, and if you lose it, you lose it. But you know, just do what you can to make sure you don't. And kind of kind of was a good good outlook on the rest of my life. You know, well, what what do I got to lose? Yeah. So you know, now I have a little bit more to lose. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: But uh, you know, at the time it was just uh, no risk, no reward so just uh, you know if, if you're if you're thinking if you're thinking about doing something you'll never know what the outcome is, is in, unless you do it yeah so you know you don't know if you're going to win or if you're going to fail and if you fail you learn from it so right
0: you know well and that was i think too from a practical standpoint it's not like um you went in and just like well just figure it out you studied you would research and then right. a lot yeah. of it's trial and error right i mean yep. most especially in construction it's let's try this and if it works great then we'll we'll continue to do it and then if after you know three or four projects it's terrible then (laughs) we're going to scrap it you know
1: which which happened
0: (laughs) yeah oh yeah yeah well and that's uh yeah was crazy but i think that's um if i you know my recap would be and lessons that i learned from you is just you know being try to be clear about who you are. It, it helps other people to know where they can fill in the voids. It also helps you know what you need to add to your team, right? And then, yeah. um, you know, allowing people to, <laughs> I remember, because I was so convinced I was going into criminal justice. I was going to be a CSI, right? You know, I was at Ventura Community College. How could they not hire me? And, um, and so I think when I first got the opportunity or the offer to maybe be the assistant manager, I was like, Well, you know, I, I really think my career's going this way, you know. And um and uh and so I remember one of the assistant managers you hired, um, I, I think you knew this story. He calls one day, he's supposed to check on I think it was me and Avilio, and um so we were kicking butt, doing things, and he calls and he's like, Sorry bros, uh I can't get there right now. I just shit my pants. <coughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was,
0: wait what and he, yeah i caught my car and i farted and it was like <laughs> it was like we we're just yeah. looking at each other did i ever tell you that story or it's been so long you probably don't remember but i remember thinking like so that's when it kind of clicked for me as far as like um and i've used this with people before is like if I don't take this assistant manager job, we're going to keep getting guys like this. <laughs> and, like, and two, those people coming in didn't know what I knew about our guys, right? And, and and how hard they worked and what their values were. And so, you know, some people, you know, I mean, it's just, I I am so fortunate to have learned under you as like my first kind of career manager, you know, and so because uh, it's helped me you know my perspective your your patience with people, allowing people to make mistakes and contribute, um, you know, and that willingness to say well let's try it, you know,
1: <laughs> you know,
0: and I, I'm sure there's some of them where you're like, oh, I'm pretty sure that's not going to work,
1: you know yeah, and, but, well, but you know within reason, <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, yeah, well, and I think that's kind of like you do in parenting, right? You kind of set the boundaries and say you can do and try anything within this perimeter, you know if these are the absolutes. No, we're not going to do this, or you know. Uh, but within those boundaries, uh, go ahead and try it. So,
1: um, but so, I remember. I remember one time, or at one period in time, we were getting so busy that we just didn't have enough uh, enough people uh, to do the work that we had. So, you know, to use a different expression, uh, I think actually that was the expression. We'll just go there and piss on it, and make it ours. Yeah. Did you remember? That? Yeah. So <laughs> so set a containment team in, or yeah. 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 So you and I would just go there and set up containment and let it sit for a day or two until we get to it. Yep. Um, And and that actually worked out really well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When I think that was too, you know, you would, um, you know, I know early on and all throughout you, you made that, that's probably, it's not like, you know, all of a sudden you set the system up and then you left, like even once the system was running, you stopped by jobs. I mean, we had a territory where you could do that. You stopped by jobs You know, um, you'd call before you came, do you need anything? Um, And then, you know, if we're setting up containment, you would come in and, you know, set up. We all took a lot of pride in how quickly and how well we could set up containments, you know. I got it up in half an hour, and that that thing hasn't fallen, you know. And so, um, and that's, it's fun. I don't, uh, I'm sure you got the same with your guys now. Our guys take a lot of pride in that, and so, and how clean the containment is afterwards, and so. Yeah. but uh but being on the ground you, you you know throughout the course of a week i know you would have seen everybody probably at least two or three times you know they'd see you on the jobs so it's not like you were detached and obviously if we had a heavy estimate load that was the other part we could divide and conquer right you know i think yeah. our roles were fairly flatlined in that sense it was like if i needed you to do something you'd go do it if you needed me it was it didn't matter what it, if it was running tape or you know, it wasn't like, well, I'm the manager, you know, and so.
1: Well, that That's very true. I never really, I never really looked down at people. That was yep. another thing. Too. Yep. I never really looked down at people. I never thought that they were, I was any better than them or they were any better than me. I mean, we're all here to, you know, to, to, to do a job. Yeah. And, and uh, I had absolutely no problem. Uh, you know, if a if guy didn't show up, damn suit up and, and show yep. up, you know, yeah, so we were putting together containments long after
0: I was a manager. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Well, I still enjoy it, you know. Every now and then, getting out and um, and uh, doing it
1: because you like to prove to
0: yourself that you can still do it. <laughs> that, young man? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there comes points where you're like, you know, I did that. with this this last outfit I had with the carpet cleaning, I was like, I know how to do this. And it, and it was like, Okay, yeah. So now you guys know. So go ahead and uh, go ahead take over. (laughs) So, (laughs) well, cool, man. It's so good to catch up with you. I could talk to you for hours and hours, and um, we'll have to do it again. So,
2: for
0: sure. Oh man. Well, I started today super frustrated. Um, I am not the most technical. technologically savvy person so i was using i've been using zoom um and uh if if you've used zoom your your recording has to convert over to from their proprietary whatever to like an mp4 format so then you can transfer it to other formats and um i had a guest that i talked to and then did a follow-up and what it appears to me is it recorded the follow-up over or you know So basically, I I really want to blame Zoom, and then I started looking at other platforms, and it seems like they have similar um, issues with compatibility and those kinds of things. So it's like, is it really, is the grass greener on the other side? And I really want to get away from trying to blame the user. I don't want to admit user error. So um, I'd like to be pissed at Zoom, and I'd like no one else to object to that or point anything else out. But um, So today... um, you know, I, I, I don't feel like I'm getting any faster at editing these or putting them together because I'm trying to add things to them. But, uh, you know, anyways, um, if, if you watch the video, you'll see um, we have the Diojo podcast uh, red sweater. And then I think I was wearing my Cold Fire Brewing hat, uh, one of my favorite breweries in Eugene, Oregon. But, uh, and then Denis had his amazing assortment of guitars on the back. And in the um, closing of the video, actually, he walks through quite a few of the ones he has, but he's, uh, so he works for an abatement company, Alliance Environmental in California, and they actually have a band, um, Sonic Abatement, so, um, and there's clips of them on online on YouTube and those kinds of things, so um, pretty cool, but, um, uh, man, we, we touched on so many things, um, like I said, from Denis, um career, it's like his lack of fear in just kind of jumping into things, um, you know, not... Uh, what his mom he said this quote from his mom was what do you have to lose you know and he kind of translates that into you know no risk no reward and approaching things and that ties into Rachel Stewart who's actually going to be a guest on the podcast um, you know her book on qualified Success where she talks about one of the the first things you have to get over if you want to be good at anything is being willing uh, willing to suck at first right not to be the best at it And so, um, you know, that's, uh, I think that's really inspirational from Denise, you know, you can learn to do anything, you know, have a humility, but also not be afraid of it. And that's so often it's like, it's not the, the failure itself. If you fail, you can learn from it, right? We can survive it. But the fear of failure, you know, cripples you that analysis paralysis holds you back from actually doing something is much more detrimental than an actual failure. Um, like I said, the opening, the greatest gift you can give to a team as a manager or leader is to have a clear sense of your identity. You know, knowing your strengths and weaknesses, knowing your energy. Um, you know, the things that you can do that that take very little energy from you, and the things that you do that are huge energy drains. And um, you know, finding people that can assist you with those things. Um, you know, pretty wild. I think another key lesson I learned from Deni that I always try to encourage people to think about is so often in this industry and any other right you look for the um the all-stars on somebody else's team you know if we just got this all-star that's going to make our team better and you know more often than not in my experience it does the opposite because you know a lot of times you know those people that are willing to make the jump you know it's for you know a lot of times it's financially motivated those kinds of things and um plus you know and, and uh, I don't know if you watched The Last Dance, Jordan talks about that. You know, the new guys coming in, they hadn't fought, you know, with him when um, and, and some of the other team members like Scottie Pippen in 84 through 87 and into the early 90s, you know, being terrible. And then, you know, not necessarily terrible, they're never terrible, but, you know, going through, you know, the painful losses of the Pistons and those kinds of things. That's, you know, when people haven't been with your team, you know, i gone through those things. You know, the, there's a different culture, there's a different mindset, and so you know it's tricky to integrate those things, and you have to find ways. Obviously, you need to add talent, but I've found it's always so much more effective to hire somebody that has relevant experience, that's a good cultural fit, you know, that will come in, embrace, and enhance the culture as opposed to somebody that uh, you know is from without, and so. I can remember very vividly early on, you know, we hired a guy that was supposed to be a superstar from one of the big names and um, he could not hang with, you know, our team, you know, and uh, and didn't last very long. And so, um, you know, uh, I, I always say that the metrics are, you know, are they honest, hardworking, and willing to learn the three things that I cannot give or teach somebody you know if they can bring those things to the table we can teach anybody to do you know anything you know the technical skill is the easier side of what we do it's all the other stuff and that's where you know morning tech dot um, com has been a sponsor you'll talk about that soft skills training um and those kinds of things and he was great at that we had regular meetings where you know we would have um share ideas and those kinds of things so um there's so much to unpack and I I, I just really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you did as well. Um, and just that, you know, if it's, if it's you personally, what do you have to lose? You know, go for it, you know, try to take that next step or, or bump up and, um, you know, put yourself out there in a position to, you know, grow your career. Um, and if it's, if you're in a position of leadership, you know, and, and you're wondering what to do next, you know, one of the greatest things you can give your team is, just being very clear about your own identity and sense of purpose and then finding ways to identify and enable other people to come around the team and fill in those voids or those areas that are just energy drains for you, you know, and um, and then change the way you think about hiring, you know, it, it may open you up to a, a much greater opportunity to expand your team than just going through the run of the mill and churning through you know, people that have kind of been burned out in other companies or maybe have bad habits. So, um, uh, thank you again for listening to the Diojo podcast. Rally round your family with a pocket full of the Diojo podcast. it viewed by millions. Oh, yeah. Billions. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this
1: base here, the, uh, Telecaster is a 1977 uh, base built
0: in 77. So. Those are that's cool, that's a, makes a cool backdrop, too. I just yeah. did um, Gibson guitars, uh, I did an article on them. They, when they were coming out of World War II, I believe it is, um, you know, they were obviously all manufacturing was helping with the war effort, and so. They, uh, Les Paul, I guess, was the first one that made the, um, electric solid body guitar, but it was just, like, a log. It was really... Yeah, awesome. yeah it was heavy. And they, um uh, they... Gibson initially passed on it, and then they hired this guy, Ted McCarty, and, because Les Paul played something else, but they brought him in, and then they branded, um, I think what's now, you know, that Les Paul, that classic Les Paul guitar. Right. And, uh, so, but they, um... When they wanted to get into the bass, bass guitar market, they bought Epiphone. And that's what um, and they manufactured their stuff, so pretty cool. Huh. And then that guy, Ted McCarthy, went on to Bigsby guitar, uh, Instruments. And then in his later years, before he died, he helped Paul Reed Smith. Those are pretty slow. Right. So. Those
1: are my nice guitars. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever played one, but they're really, really nice guitars.
0: No, I had, um, I don't know if you remember, I had a, a Schecter, it had like diamond inlays, you know, for a little mm-hmm. bit there when we were in California, so uh, I sold that when we were in Oregon, but um, I, I tinker around every now and again on the acoustic, but it's not anything crazy, so. <laughs> Are you guys still jamming? Well, obviously not right now, but. Not right now.
1: But... Um... Usually when we get a gig, we'll get together like a couple months before just do be be a whole bunch of practicing and we'll do the gig, but nothing in between. Yeah. So, just sit at home and uh, learn some new tunes.
2: And,
1: yeah. So, maybe I've been learning some Pink Floyd you know, money. And, okay. Yeah, so. have you um,
0: Have you guys thought about um, uh, recording
1: at all? We've done. Um, some video recording but nothing that would be actually be good enough to, to put on tape oh. uh, but if you um, get a chance you can go on to YouTube and we you have like a 30 second thing that somebody recorded from uh, their phone on YouTube? I can hear our band I think it's uh, more Park. That's one word, that beer fest (laughs) 2013.